Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Our reading this morning is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and he will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. When I started my ministry a long time ago, I had a clever idea. At least I thought it was clever. I spotted about four, five members of that congregation that I was serving who seemed to have it together, who seemed to be involved in worship, knew what worship was about, and just kind of like, that's what I would like to have the whole congregation like. And so I came up with five different questions, and I had a clipboard, and I was going to go to them and kind of do a little survey and kind of put together what it takes to have that type of congregation full of these type of people. And so I started with this one lady. And I went up to her and asked her, I said, here's, I've got five questions. I'd like to let you know what they are, and I'll come back in a week or two and discuss them with you because I'd like to find out why do you come to church? And she says, Pastor, I don't need to see all your questions, and I don't need a week or two because I'll tell you right now, Simply and shortly, I come to church to hear a word from God. <laughs> Throw my clipboard, say, you know, drop the mic. I mean, what else could you say? And I've carried that with me for my entire ministry, realizing that's really what we come here for. We simply want to hear that beautiful promise 
that wonderful gift of the gospel, we want to hear a word from the Lord God. Today we have what we call the temptation of Christ. He has come from his baptism where the Lord sent the Holy Spirit while Jesus was in the River Jordan. And then the voice came from the Lord himself saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus immediately goes out into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted, to feel like what it means to be like you and I. He goes out there and is not only hungry and cold. Can you imagine going out in the heat of this desert during the day that turns into freezing cold at night and you're out there alone, no food, no water? Not only the physical temptations, but he is also tempted with every other thing that we possibly can think of. Everything that we are tempted with. Go through the Ten Commandments. He was tempted with all of them. So he knew and knows now what it's like to be human. We see in Scripture, in Hebrews, the author writes, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So what does that mean to be tempted and, and not to sin? Temptation is the pressure to sin. You feel that weight, that pressure on you. Oh, just one more time. I can get away with it. I can do it. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? This, this temptation that we have in our present in our lives all the time, pushing on us, this pressure, pressure. That's what Jesus felt. He knows what it's like to feel that trying to push in on us. And we have the devil show up. And we think, well, that's where the temptation comes from. That's what the cause of sin is, and it's not. We're perfectly capable of sinning without the devil. Matter of fact, he will leave us alone. He won't show up if we're already in our own earthly, worldly flesh. If we are sinning anyway, why should he bother to come? But when he finds an opportunity, he does come to tempt us. And he doesn't have to fight very hard. He'll come and say, you know, I'll bet you you would like to do this. And our earthly flesh says, you know what good idea, I've been thinking the same thing. <laughs> and that's what Jesus did not succumb to, but he felt that weight and that pressure. I kind of wanted to give you a little visual. Temptation is like these two little weights, and I can hold them here real well. And boy, I could probably make it Five, ten minutes maybe. <laughs> maybe if I was a real good day, I could take it out to an hour. But pretty soon, these little two-pound weights are going to feel like two-ton weights, aren't they? 
and I'm just not going to be able to hold up against the weight always, at least not much longer. That's what the pressure to sin is. Just how long can we hold out? Can we push back hard enough? Well, sooner or later, in a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, we just give in. Say, okay, maybe one more time. It really didn't hurt when I did such and such last time. I mean, so-and-so got over it or, or something like that. Everybody does it. We have our excuses for giving in to the pressure of sin. Our Lord Jesus Christ was confronted by the tempter, by Satan himself, to try to give, get him to give in. It begins with the tempter coming to him and saying, if you are the Son of God, these, tell these stones to become bread. Look where Satan always attacks. He always attacks God's word. If you are the Son of God, what did God just say at his baptism? This is my Son, who I am well pleased. And Satan is saying, are you really the Son of God? That is what Satan does with the Word of God. He takes the exclamation point of God's Word and tries to turn it into a question mark. He tries to put an if in front of all of what God says, and he is attacking God at his Word. The Holy Scriptures, God's blessings for us, he wants to go and attack them. Turn these stones into bread. Take that which you have gotten from the Father in baptism as your holy purpose on earth to create salvation for those who are lost. And take that power that you have now and help yourself. And what does Jesus say? He goes right to Scripture. Deuteronomy 8, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the only defense Jesus has. He's in the wilderness. He has nothing but the word of God for his defense. So the next one comes up. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If, once again, you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Okay. Satan says, I've played this game before. I've heard this when I've questioned God. Somebody come back with what God said, his word. I know how to play this game. I'll come back with scripture. Because let me know, I'll let you know, folks, Satan knows Holy Scripture very well. He knows God's Word very well, probably better than you and I, because he uses it to twist it in any way he can to cast doubt, doubt, 
which just increases that pressure of sin upon us. And he says, I've played this game before and I know how to win. We go back to Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Satan knew perfectly well that he did. So Eve says, the woman said to the serpent, you may eat of fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And here comes Satan again. You will not certainly die, the certain serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. He has attacked God's word. And it works this time. Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit. So he, uh, Satan comes back to Jesus with Psalm 91. This is Satan. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Go ahead, jump off. You're the son of God. The word you've been quoting says they won't let any harm come to you. Well, look what Satan has done. If you really look at Psalm 91 that he's quoting, he's omitting verses. Yes, the first line is, for he has commanded his angels concerning you, but then he leaves out to guard you in all your ways. Your way is the purpose you're on earth for, to achieve the salvation of those you have been given. That's your purpose, and the angels are there to help you and guard against things that take you away from being able to fulfill your purpose. Yeah, he conveniently leaves that verse out as well as the next. He says, yes, continuing with what Satan reads, they, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But he really cleverly forgets this last line. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will tread like, uh, trample the great lion and the serpent. And what does God tell the serpent in the garden after the fall? Man's heel will crush your head. Forgets that part, doesn't he? Jesus answered him, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6. We are tempted by this at times to test the Lord. We hear people doing it. You know, unfortunately, I hear of people giving so much money to some televangelist who says, you give me your money and God, test the Lord and he will give you back ten times more and they lose their rent money. Or the, or the missionary who's going off to one of the most dangerous places in the world and said, oh, the Lord will protect me because I'm doing his work. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said, all, all this I will give you 
if you'd bow down and worship me. It's ironic, isn't it? That Adam and Eve were in a garden full of everything they could ever want. And that's where they fell. And Jesus is out here in the desert, in a wilderness, hungry, cold, or hot, depending on what time of day it is, suffering. And there in a wilderness with nothing more than God's word, he prevails. I mean, look at him. He is being shown everything, the splendor of the world. I mean, he's been out here for 40 days, like I say, cold, hot, hungry. He could really use a spa day. (laughs) And there it is all in front of him. And all he has to do is bend a knee to Satan. Bow down and worship Satan and all of his problems, his struggles, his temptations, the weight of sin pressuring in on him that he is resisting, are gone. But instead he says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And now I can see what that lady was talking about when she said, She comes simply to hear a word from God. Because probably better than most, she had lived a nice long life. She was a longtime saint of the church. And she realized as much as this world we live in looks and feels like a garden, anything and everything you want, spiritually, at times it feels like it's a wilderness where you only have the word of God to lean on. She held on to her baptism. In that baptism, she heard the word of God come to her, be poured over her head, the promises of God to to endure this world and its pressure for sin for the promise of eternal life with Christ. And as long as she remembered those promises made, the word of God in her baptism She was safe. Reminds me of an early church father who has said, you know, know, the fish sign that we Christians in the early church were, you know, the fish thing. We are kind of of what we were represented as. Well, he said, we are all little fishes following the big fish, Christ. And the image is that We are in the waters following our Lord towards eternal life, and Satan is following on the banks trying to flip us out onto the ground. And if we don't right ourselves and flip back into the water, there we will perish. In the waters of baptism, in the promises of God, in His Word, It's our only defense. So this time of Lent, when we consider our lot in life, we feel the pressures, the temptation, the weight of sin on us. Let us remember our Lord did too. 
so that when we feel this oppression, a lot of times people will ask, well, what am I supposed to do, pastor? Give me a list of things to do. A couple things. First thing is when we are confronted by the weight of sin, the pressure to sin from outside, we stop, we go to the Word of God. We take Christ's example. Go to the Word. Find the Word. Open His Bible. Read and take consolation in it. Find in it the comfort and the peace and the future that He promises you. And then go from there to the one who has experienced the feeling of pressure, the temptation that all of us feel. Go to our Lord in prayer. Defend yourself with the word of, of, of God. And then comfort yourself in prayer with him. Talk with him. He knows what you're going through. He bolsters you up. He gives you peace, and He gives you life. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.